Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Good, Bad, and Ugly of Business. I am your host, Katrin Becker. In this podcast, we discuss all aspects of business and the different pieces that it takes to make business work. And today I am so pleased to be joined by Alyssa Webb McCune, who is an incredible mental health counselor uh, located here in Texas. She has an office in the Woodlands and serves people in Harris County and Montgomery County, but she also works virtually with anyone in the Texas area. So Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to be here because I think you have such an interesting angle that you work on with mental health. And I feel like it's so timely in, in how the world is going and how conversations are changing. And especially in the workplace in corporate America, there is a big push on DEI initiatives, you know, DEI being diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and I think you bring such an interesting spin to that, but before we get into that piece, I would love for you to tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I own natural balance counseling, which is a private mental health counseling center in the woodlands. I started it in the summer of 2021, just wanting to have more control over my schedule. And I really wanted to create a place that was unique within the Woodlands area. I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. Um, but like many entrepreneurs, I wanted to reclaim a lot of my time, my story, and give back to the community by providing services that I know I would have benefited from years ago. And so I wanted to be a part of that and creating uh, just that community that works together and providing a variety of services for people. I think that is beautiful. And I am so glad that you're here because it's obviously a, a very needed aspect of it. And so you have a bit of additional, uh, uh, in interesting spin on things where you talk a lot about sex. <laughs> yes. Um, it's one of the favorite parts of my job within our counseling practice. We focus on just adult mental health. But then for me specifically, I focus on sex, relationships, all the diversity that happens within there, and a lot of these kind of taboo things that most of us experience, but very few people want to talk about, at least publicly. Um, so it's one of, one of the favorite parts of my job. So now that we've got people, you know, that are listening from the safety of their <laughs> car, their home, uh -huh. you know, wherever they are, what are some of the main questions that you get or main themes of things that you work with that people would be interested to know? Mm -hmm. So one of the most common things I think I find is where people ask me, A, is this normal? Um, so they'll bring up a sexual question, whether it's about libido, whether it's about maybe an interest or a fantasy they had, or it's a, maybe a disconnection with a partner. And they'll be like, am I just weird, right? Am I just the outlier? This has never <laughs> happened to anybody before. And in every single case I've so far ran into, it was the, you are okay, right? And so I think just normalizing so much of sex and just the diversity of sexuality and diversity of experiences and normalizing these things is so important for people throughout their journey. Why do you think sex is so taboo? Like still to this day, I mean, I know there's some, you know, mm -hmm. Puritan starts to it, but why are we still mm -hmm. so, why is it so difficult for us? I think here in America, you mentioned about like that Puritan foundation. I feel like a lot of that is still, it's just so deeply embedded in the culture. It is so hard to pull out of, even for people who aren't actively 
um, prescribing to a purity belief or maybe even aren't actively spiritual, it's so ingrained in just American culture and westernized culture of sex is something to be kept secret, that sex is something to be kept hidden. Um, reverence, which there is an appropriate time and place for sex to be kept in reverence, but the secret side of it so often it, it challenges people and it, I mean, it makes us uncomfortable. Sex is one of the most vulnerable things you can do with yourself, with another person. And also we just naturally, often many of us walk away from vulnerability. We try to hide from it and protect ourselves from it. And so this idea of talking about sex in a public space or even with another professional can be really intimidating for a lot of people. So I have a farm. Uh-huh. Animals do what animals do. <laughs> Everywhere, right? <laughs> everywhere. doesn't matter who's around, who's watching, you know, my kids have seen it and it's, you know, it's a part that we, you know, talk about like, why is the rooster jumping on the head, mommy? Like what's Mm -hmm. happening here? Um, but so that, that's what I find so fascinating, you know, humans, you know, as, as just slightly more evolved animals and make it this sort of secret vulnerable thing. Whereas the animal Mm -hmm. kingdom, you know, there's, there's none of that. There's no shame. It's just everywhere. And you see that, and especially looking at just sex education within just American society, not even like just the school system, but even with parents, there's so many questions. And I get this a lot from parents, especially, well, how do I talk to my kids about sex? Or when should I talk to them about sex? What do I say? And they're dealing then with its own generational shame of sex that, that some don't even realize they're passing down to their kids. Some do realize they could, but they don't know how to stop it because again, it's so embedded in them, which is why I'm so passionate about talking about sex and educating people about sex. So hopefully we can decrease this amount of shame that's being passed down to this next generation. And so over time, sex will become something that we can have a conversation about and feel comfortable about it, that there's not this shame and embarrassment and that people have access to appropriate and healthy and accurate sexual knowledge. You're so right. I mean, the generational trauma and, you know, the things that's passed on through our, through our shared stories and DNA, it's, it's, it's something for sure. Oh, definitely. And we talk about that in the counseling room about just validating people's experiences and what they've been through that compounded that shame just for them. But then also, what can we do to help them find that healing? So then when they are working with the next generation to make sure that they're giving them all the tools possible so that they're able to leave healthy sexual experiences in life. All right. So bringing this back, I mean, this is fascinating and I could ask you a million questions, but I am <laughs> trying to be mindful of our business you know, mm-hmm. side to, to this podcast. So bringing it back into business. You know, I mentioned at the start of this about DEI initiatives and and the push that that gets. And I feel like that is such an interesting subset of this because as a society as a whole, we're already uncomfortable talking about sex in all capacities. And then we add in maybe some of these alternative choices that people are feeling, um, you know, aside from any sort of race aspect, but just the diversity, equity, and inclusion of alternative lifestyles and alternative choices. So for, you know, a business owner or a manager of a company, anyone who's got other people on their team, anyone who works with anyone really, um, what kind of advice could you give to them for helping them to overcome any, uh, discomfort 
that they might feel about having someone on their team that has maybe a different lifestyle choice than, than themselves? So the first thing that I do when working with people like that is I try to find something that can ground them into um, what is true for them, something they're already bought into. Typically for business owners, this is your brand. What is your brand? What's your mission statement? For most people, it's open, accepting, connecting, support, those types of words, right? And so, okay, you're already bought into that. And then we look at how diversity, equity, and inclusion, and people who do have alternative sexualities, lifestyles, How does that and your support or actions towards them incorporate into your brand and your mission statement? Because you're already bought into this. And so we then expand from there. So looking at what does it look like if you genuinely believe in support and community involvement, for example, okay? Are we showing support and community involvement? Example, when we use very heterosexual normative language in our paperwork in um, invites, right? When you're talking to people or you make assumptions or does that feel supportive? When all that does that feel supportive? Is that involved? And genuinely talk with them to figure out like what, how does this fit into your business? Because you want to stay on brand and be able to, if you are actually making choices that is excluding a group, you need to be able to own that and admit that. But then we look at most people, they're like, well, no, I want to include it. I just don't know how. So we look at how do you actively include people everywhere from your out, your brand, how it outward presents to the community, how you're dealing with things internally within employees, within um, just cultural dynamics. What is your company culture? Do you actively think to include people of other uh, race, ethnicities, um, sexualities, lifestyle choices? Is this even a part of your thought process? What I find with a lot of people is that they are so scared because they don't know. They don't even open their mind to think about all the different possibilities. But one of the biggest things with business owners is we have this feeling sometimes where we have to have it all together. Mm. Right? We have to know all the answers. But if we can take a breath and open up and just say, I'm not sure, right? I'm not sure exactly what to do. What would be the next step, right? Talking to people who are actually in their local communities, talking to employees they have maybe already that are do prescribe to an alternative sexuality or just something that would be in within that diversity, equity, and inclusion category, what would support look like for you? How could this company be more supportive of you, who you are? What's something that we could do to present to the outside community that we are an accepting company? And what does that look like? Making sure it's something that, again, you're standing behind, you're standing behind confidently, and you know how this connects of, I am doing this to help fulfill my brand truly. And this is something that you are proud of, that you know that you can stand behind and do when people come up and challenge. Because unfortunately, sometimes depending on what you're actively trying to include within the diversity (laughs) aspect, unfortunately, we can get challenged on that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And And especially coming from the perspective of the employees who maybe aren't fully bought into the brand um, and necessarily don't have that sort of bottom up leadership Mm -hmm. on on what they can do and how and how they can be supportive. Mm -hmm. So asking like what to how to show that or how to connect with those employees. Yeah. Any advice? With that. It's a difficult place because as the owner, you have to be able to stand behind what you're doing. With diversity, equity, and inclusion, unfortunately, there are going to be people that we sometimes lose when we make a stand on what we believe in. 
ideally we want to be with that bottom up leadership where we've actively connected with employees who are bought in, who are on brands with the company from day one, right? That is the ideal situation. Um, unfortunately, I know that sometimes things have happened and things have progressed where sometimes there aren't employees like that. You still want to work with them. You still want to try to get them to buy in. This is important, right, for us hearing what they're saying. Um, but at the end of the day, that decision still has to be made, right? Are we going to work to actively be a diverse and inclusive company? Or are we going to stay by in what's considered safe? Um, but what I find with a lot of employees is with proper education, proper training, and again, looking at more of the emotional aspects, not just giving them a set of rules to follow, but <laughs> looking at being uh, accommodating and acknowledging to the emotional aspects that they may be going through, that training is so important that it really does help increase the buy-in. Well, that was fantastic. And, you know, definitely great for business owners, HR managers, all of those to hear. So switching gears a little bit, just a little bit, because we're still staying in, in the sex because, you know, everyone wants to talk about sex, right? Yeah. How has it been for you as a business owner to, you know, it's kind of a taboo subject. So how has it been for you as a business owner and what advice would you have for other business owners who have maybe a taboo business to promote it and, and to network and, and to grow that? What has that journey been like for you? It's definitely been scary at some points. I say a lot of business ownership is anxiety management, especially, <laughs> <laughs> that's just true. But then so true. if you're dealing with a taboo subject, because there's, like I mentioned with the last question, there is sometimes, unfortunately, going to be negative fallout. And that's just a matter of fact. And so many times the, as a person, right? I want to try to make everyone happy. I want to try to connect with people and be friendly. Unfortunately, that's not the reality. And so with a taboo subject, it's something I really encourage people know why. No, we say that all the time, but especially with taboo subjects, know your why. Why are you doing this? Why is this important to you? Why is this an active, very public part of your business? Know that and reorient and reground yourself back to that consistently because there will be pushback. And I know I've definitely received pushback living in Montgomery County. It tends to be a more conservative county. And there's been a lot of pushback from people of uh, people who actively won't come to see me because they want to see me for something else, but not sex. But they're so worried that people are going to think they're coming to see me for sex. Oh, they won't come. Yeah. And or people who are asking for extra discreetness, which our office is set up. We are extremely discreet. When you come in our waiting room, people don't even know which company you're coming to see besides the receptionist. Uh, we have it set up. So it's very, very discreet. But there is still some of that shame. And so you are going to lose some customers when you embrace a taboo subject. However, what I find is by showing up in that radical authenticity is what I say, that radical acceptance of, no, this is important. This is what we're standing for. This is a community that we want to reach. You will find so much more though. You will find so many more just people who are so excited and saying, I've never talked to a therapist before because I was always worried that they would shame me. And I'm sure many wouldn't. But because it wasn't an active, public, very vocal part of their marketing and their practice, people didn't know. And people know that we are a safe place for all sorts of diversity, but especially in regards to sex. 
And so what I find is that the trade-off, yes, we lose some people, but we've also gained just an amazing community and network of clients and people who are so excited that we're there providing a service that is a little unique. And we are addressing things that are really uncomfortable and knowing very publicly that we are safe, they're able to come in with more confidence. And so it's definitely a trade-off, but being able to reorient back to why am I doing this? Why is this important? Even when you have people telling you, oh, maybe you should cut down on that. Maybe you should talk less about that. <laughs> I think you're scaring some people, which is all things I've heard, right? Going, no, this is what I believe in. And I know this is going to work. I know this is worth it. It's huge. And that's, this theme has come up in, in several of the other interviews about um, kind of around the idea of not everyone is your client. Exactly. Being prepared to fire clients. And I think that that is such a mental obstacle that many business owners have to come to that point. Like there's no amount of telling somebody that until they're there themselves and ready to experience it and be like, I don't need to chase after this person. Exactly. Exactly. And that was something, especially in my first six months of business, you know, I'm struggling, picking up a client here, there, I'm still brand new in the community. Almost no one knows who I am. And so there was that tendency sometimes to just you know, accept everybody or make, you know, kind of accommodations. And while we are widely accepting as a practice, I always have to hold to my beliefs of if I'm working with a client and I genuinely feel like we're not a good match and they would have better service with someone else, or they're telling me about a friend, I have to live just a, by my ethical guidelines as a therapist, but also by my ethical guidelines as a person to make sure that they are connected with a person that would be the best fit for them because then I know that trade-off is I'm also going to get someone that's the best fit for me and what that looks like and what that's going to help us be able to build a really positive relationship. And then that person who we weren't a good fit, they're going to be able to build a really positive relationship with someone else. And that's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. So is it a specialized piece that you have to do the sex therapy? Like if someone goes to a therapist and they've got some issues, like, do they need to seek that out ahead of time or does that come up like in therapy and, and most therapists or counselors are able to um, address it? Mm -hmm. So sex isn't, unfortunately, it's not something that is really widely taught within our master's program. So just as a reminder for people to be a therapist, you do have to have a master's degree and then have your state licensure. So what I'm actually currently working on is my doctorate in sex therapy, where at the end I will have the full certification. It's called ASEC. So the American Association of Sex Educators, um, Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, I believe. And what that is, it's a certified program that makes sure that we are educated on all the different areas of sexuality, um, everywhere from how to incorporate within the therapy aspects, but also the educational aspect too. Everywhere from sex education, sex with someone with a disability, um, sex within alternative lifestyles, um, sex within the geriatric population, and everywhere in between. And so with, when you look for someone, if you're wanting someone that's really specifically with sex, looking for someone that is on that ASEX list, listserv, which you can I'm going to have to put that in like the show notes because. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, that will give you a confidence that they will be able to address it. However, there are some therapists who are a, in the middle of their training, um, like myself, I'm almost done, um, but we're in the middle of that training and just getting that certification completed, um, or people who've maybe done their own work, and there you can just call and ask directly. 
hey, are you comfortable dealing with sex? What's your training in regards to sex? And they should be able to give you a specific answer, different programs they've been through, um, education that they've earned, stuff like that. Well, that's really good to know because I'm sure most people don't, I mean, first of all, most people probably don't even know like what to even look for and ask for when they're mm-hmm. thinking, maybe I need therapy. And so, especially if it's in that realm to know that it's a specialized part of the, of the practice. Yes. A really good website. I like to recommend to people is psychology today. And there you can filter out therapists through specialties and you can actually find people who list sex therapy as a specialty. And then any, anyone that comes up, you'll be able to call them and be able to verify. Oh, this is fantastic. Well, I appreciate you spending your time here so much. And I know that you also have a book on Amazon called Intentional Self-Love. So I'd love to end talking a little bit about that and promoting that book. Yes. Um, So that book came from realizing that we talk about self-love all the time within the sexual context and without, um, but not a lot of people knew what it meant or they felt self-love was just take a bubble bath every day, right? And so I wanted to create something that was short, simple in a workbook format that would give you very concrete tools that were realistic. So I'm very big on realistic therapy and helping people kind of get started down that path. And so that book talks about challenging some of your old beliefs, being able to get out of your own way because sometimes we're our own worst enemy when it comes to loving and accepting ourselves being able to identify what are those positive beliefs that we want in our lives and then how do we implement those and move forward. And that's something it's written in general terms just so it can hit a lot of different areas, but you can also specifically look at those beliefs regarding sex, regarding marriage, regarding even business. I know a lot of business owners deal with a lot of anxiety, like we mentioned earlier, um, or that self-doubt or imposter syndrome. And so it's a really good tool just to help get started down that path. Well, Alyssa, thank you so, so much for your time. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to share before we wrap up? Um, Just I encourage people to come to our website. If you're anywhere within the state of Texas, um, we'd be more than happy to help you through all different life transitions as an adult, but especially business owners have a special place in my heart um, because I know personally how hard it is to start from very, very scratch. You're pulling out a personal savings to start with some (laughs) capital and just believe in a dream and you're having all these people say some positive some negative and wanting to move forward that's a huge passion of mine is to help people be able to have that balance run a successful business but then still have a great relationship with your spouse great relationship with your kids and still enjoy just time as a human and time with life instead of feeling like you're drowning so if any of that hits and resonates with anybody i really encourage them to go to our website and look to see if there's any services that we could offer just to help them out a little bit. Well, I appreciate it. And for, um, for the listeners, all of the information to reach out to Alyssa will be in the show notes. So just make sure you look through the episode to see that. Well, thank you so much. And for our listeners, thank you for being here. If you liked this podcast, please like, and subscribe so that you will be alerted to more interesting interviews with incredible business owners like this one. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much till next time.